Welcome to another episode of Global Data Pod. Today's data drop, where we cover key data releases and the potential implications for the macro view, is on the May Global Composite PMI. I'm Sam Mazzarello, and I'm the head of content strategy for global research. And I'm joined by Joseph Lupton, senior global economist. Joe, let's talk about the global PMI from a few different angles. I, I wanted to start by asking, is it fair to say there's a lot of rich information in these prints? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just as a as, a, as an advertisement for the global series that we sponsor, I mean, the global PMIs are the single best in indicator of economic activity in the world. It's, it's, it's not only a good tracker of overall GDP growth and manufacturing activity, but it's the most timely in the sense that we get it on the, you know, within the first week of the month. Uh, and so that's better than just about any other data we have. We do have our global nowcasters, which takes in a much richer composite of, of kind of activity data, but the PMIs are a central input into those nowcasters, given the timeliness of the, of the prints. Excellent. So that's very good context. I wanted us to talk about a few different facets. Let's start with the headline number of 54.4. Can you provide, react to that number and provide some context around where we came from and where we think we're going? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I would say at the, at the headline level, the output index of, of all industry, which is the manufacturing and services side of this, that's the best tracker of GDP, as I said, 54.4 is a is an outright strong number. You would be very happy with a number like that. How why? Well, if you line it up with GDP growth, it points to about 3.4% annualized GDP growth or is consistent with that historically. 3.4% is almost a full percentage point above potential growth. That is uh, you know, well above our forecast, which we're kind of floating more around 2%. So we have a our official house view is for a below potential growth path this quarter, the PMIs are tracking well above that. So if we just stopped that and just looked at that number, we should be walking away very happy with what the PMIs are telling us. Okay, so you and Bruce have been writing weekly in Global Data Watch about this resilience of the global and the US expansion. Beneath the surface, you already touched on services versus manufacturing. Can you talk about what's going on, um, the differences between the two? And then I also wanted to ask as a corollary question, is that normal that services and manufacturing would be perhaps digressing as much as they are? Yeah, so I, there's no doubt that as you start to scratch below the surface of this report, you see a, a, a whole range of imbalances, some of them more concerning than others. Uh, I think you've, you've hit on a, an important one, which is the, the divergence between the services side of things and the manufacturing side of things. When we started this year, we our outlook was for services to continue to outperform as we're still recovering from the pandemic in that part of the economy. The, the expansion, this expansion is a very unique one in the sense that the goods sector actually recovered much more rapidly and the service sector was lagging as the, the kind of after effects of the pandemic held that part of the economy back. We are now still, I know it's always three years ago that the pandemic hit, but we are still kind of in that recovery phase for services. So in that respect, seeing services outperform is not too surprising. 
But I will say that, you know, th there's lots of things, as I mentioned, to worry about in this report. One area is the fact that the manufacturing sector, the manufacturing PMIs, um, are not quite doing what I had hoped. I thought May was going to be a period after a stretch of very soft manufacturing activity reports that we were going to start to see May come back to life, looking for an inventory rebuild along with final demand holding up. And if we're just looking at manufacturing, I think it was kind of a disappointing report. And then that's offset by the service sector, which continues to do quite well. And let's remember, it's two thirds to three fourths of the global economy. So uh, that does carry a lot of the weight. But your question of does this happen very often? I think we're moving into the realm where this feels a little abnormal and imbalances like this don't tend to last. How it converges is a big question. Well, because services fall off and we kind of slip into an early recession globally, the expansion comes to an end. Or is it that we will start to see manufacturing come back to life in a world where final demand is holding up, inventories need to get restocked, and businesses finally start to produce more? That's the million-dollar question. We Our forecast kind of leans on near-term resilience. We have a U.S. forecast later this year, uh, but we just don't think we're there yet. So we, I guess we have a more constructive view of this, even you know, of how these imbalances are going to uh, resolve. Okay, then going maybe a layer below the global number, regional differences. So my understanding is there's 13 countries that are covered in this composite index. Does anything stand out to you, China or perhaps the US, Europe, any regional note we should uh, take note of? Yeah, there. I mean, it, it, as, I, as the big theme of this, uh, of, of this month's report is that these divergences, and as you scratch beneath the surface, it's kind of less encouraging. We talked about some of these divergences sectorally just now. You're hitting on another one, which is that the, the country divergence is a, a, a little worrying. So uh, on the manufacturing side, uh, you actually did see, I, I spun it as, as a negative report for manufacturing. If you just looked at the output index, it actually moved up and it, you, you would have said it was encouraging. My, my hesitancy to kind of read it that way is precisely what you're touching on, which is, is driven by a large increase in China, China's index on manufacturing, which, by the way, actually contrasted with an alternative survey, the, the MBS uh, report, which is not what we use in this report, um, it, that actually went down a lot. So you have these divergent views in China. The one that goes into our report actually was quite good in China, actually very good, up three points, really carrying the, the global number. I kind of fade that number. And if I look ex-China, the manufacturing report really was a disappointment. So I want to kind of make sure viewers under, understand at least my interpretation of the manufacturing. On the services side, I mean, there were kind of notable uh, differences. Um, I do think you had uh, you know, Europe coming down. I think Europe is a sore point, both on the manufacturing and on the, on the services side. Levels of services uh, really across the board are still elevated of, of, this, of this, um, uh, this index, the service index. They're, they're, they're high. They came down, but uh, they're high. So I'm a little less concerned about that. But uh, nonetheless, I think these regional divergences kind of do, don't send a, a, a kind of a strong message. We have shown in the past that the breadth in these reports can be used as a indicator of how much signal content they have to the extent that we don't have as much breadth in these reports does kind of undermine any positive signal we would take from them. 
Okay, Joe, insightful as always. Very last question before I let you go. Um, talking about the subcomponents of this, I was going to ask you about input yeah. prices and output prices. However, in the spirit of choose your own adventure, is there any yeah. specific subcomponent you would want to talk about or highlight to listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'll take two and I'll, I'll touch on the one you mentioned first off, which is you definitely are see pricing, seeing pricing come down. And that is a uh, a very welcome development because inflation has been really the the scourge of the outlook for the last year here and seeing those uh, improvements there the moderation in inflation is something we've been looking for it's certainly something central banks have been looking for so we're not there yet but nonetheless the PMIs are si signaling that we're moving in the right direction on that front uh, the other indicator that I actually do like to to spend a lot of time, looking at it's an important indicator for me i think maybe less so for others is the employment uh part of this so we do have we can combine services manufacturing get a broad employment index our business is hiring more or less and this is one reason why i have um, conviction at least in the near term that the expansion does continue that we're not at an imminent risk of recession in the next quarter here and it's because this employment pmi is just running at a very strong level it did tick down in may so i don't want to kind of gloss over that it ticked down but it's at a very high level and i think the broad message is that firms continue to hire even if they're kind of seeing having some reticence either on the activity side or even in their future output there there is some sentiment indicators in these surveys that have come off but if they're still hiring uh, I think that's a pretty good message it supports overall demand final demand which ultimately will be the driver of the cycle so that that's a, a good message to take away if you're looking for one in, in the May report Excellent. Joe, thanks for sharing your expertise and thanks for everyone for tuning in. This podcast was recorded on June 6, 2023. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JPM Chase & Co. All rights reserved. <laughs>